good to be back with you. I missed you. That's one thing when I, I don't have family around, so we have to travel a lot for the holidays. So I've been gone a little bit. It's awesome to see some old faces and new um, back together again. So, all right, here's, here's the deal. Um, right, we always just pray and ask the Lord what you want us to teach on, and, and we try to walk in obedience as, as best as we can. And so, as we're kind of wrapping up the one another's, kind of going through the Christmas season and now approaching the beginning of a new year, we're like, all right, Lord, what do you want us to do? You want us to go back to the one another's? What do, you, what do you want us to do? And really felt like he wanted us to give some space to teach on specific topics or issues that you are facing as you are out and about as an everyday disciple. We want to continue to train you to be an everyday disciple. That means that you follow Jesus as everyday people in everyday places, doing your everyday things, that you know what it means to follow him, to listen to him, to walk with him, to, to encounter him in those things. But we, we just know that as you're out and about doing that, there's just a number of issues and things that you're facing that you're like, well, what do I do about this? Or how do I handle this situation? Or what about this type of thing? And um, so we've heard a number of questions, we've heard of things you're wrestling with, but we don't also don't want to assume. And so starting like a week or two, for, I, I don't know, a period of time, um, we're going to teach through specific topics, okay? But we really need your input. And so there is a old school way and a new school way of doing it. The old school, the Moran Park way is just at the bottom of your program, write with a question that's on your heart, rip it off and put it in the metal boxes on the walls, Okay? Or just like leave it on your seat. We'll find it somehow and it'll get to where it's supposed to be. Um, that's Moran Park style. The, the other way to do it is if you're a little bit more high tech is um, there's a website called slido.com. S-L-I-D-O.com. And I won't be appalled if you like bust out your phone now even. Um, I'll assume if you got your phone on when I'm talking that that's what you're doing. Submitting all kinds of questions. Not Facebook, not Instagram, nothing else. Not reading up on the Bears game for this afternoon. Go Bears. Um, um, so here it is. A website will come up. And at the bottom, you'll see you'll, you'll need a, to type in a, an event code. And we are really fancy. We just put at the bottom. See the hashtag? It just says Moran. All you have to do is put Moran in and push join. You don't have to sign up for anything. You just put Moran and push join. And then this is what will come up if you do that. Oh, good. It's a list of questions. So you can submit whatever question you want. And um, so there's a few up there that people have put on, like, now that marijuana is legal, is it okay for me to use it? Um, do people who commit suicide go to hell? I mean, all these just, like, questions that you all are asking. So what we ask you to do, instead of having, like, 50 of the same question, that if there's one that you really like, um, or one that's on your heart too, you can put a thumbs up next to it. You see it the right? Just do a little thumbs up, and it'll move it to the top. And so... We're not going to be able to address all of them. We're just going to pray through these. But this helps, gives us some guidance on what's on your heart for us to teach through. Uh, and we're, I mean, we're going to try to tackle even really tough uh, subjects. We call these things space makers. And so um, we, we don't shy away from the truth. We want to share with you how to walk in what is true and what is right as you're walking an everyday disciple. Does that make sense? Questions? I, I can't interpret that one. Sorry. Um, sorry, <laughs> she's the cutest baby over here. Um, okay, so that'll start in like a week or two, and so you can, you can think about that this week. The info's on your program, too, that you can just take home and, and do that as well. All right. We're going to be 
We're going to be in 1 Peter today. Not 1 Peter, 1 Timothy. <clears throat> I, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but like, um, at this time of year, it's just kind of weird, right? You get through the insanity of the holidays, you're like, whoa, what just happened, right? Um, and, and maybe you start looking back. I know some of you are like, look back and are pretty like think about this past year but like what went well what was awesome what what did God do um and you maybe are a little reflective on this previous year and I I know if you're like me there's this temptation to like yeah praise the Lord for what's good but also to be like oh yeah I was gonna run more regularly wasn't I yeah that didn't happen um I was gonna do whatever that may be and we tend to get kind of down on ourselves for the things that didn't get accomplished and, and, and that's what I want to talk about this morning is what do you do when there's just disappointment? Or you're not satisfied with where things are. And now I'm not talking about your workout regimen. I'm not talking about just life stuff. I'm talking about more your, your relationship with the Lord. Like what, what do you do when you have this high hopes, high ambitions, you know? Um, and, and like the gospel, the Bible promises all these incredible things in Christ. Like Jesus talks about having life and having life to the full, life abundantly, life uh, free from slavery to sin, full of joy, full of peace, full of hope, full of contentment, full of praise, full of worship, full of power, full of, right, all these things. And I don't know about you, but there are times you're like, yeah, but that's not where my reality is. Anyone ever have that? All right. So maybe that was you this past year in specific things with the Lord. You're like, ooh, yeah, ooh. Where you had some, maybe sin that you thought was taken care of, all of a sudden start creeping back in and getting a stranglehold on you once again. Or this one area you just can't seem to kick. You know, anger that just keeps hanging around. People you keep trying to forgive, you're like, ah, oh, I just can't forgive it. Forgive them. Blech. There's just no hunger to spend time with the Lord. There's no desire to read the word. There's, I mean, all these things that start creeping in. And if that's not your case, now, that might happen this, this year. And so my question is like, well, what do you do about that? Do you just go, oh, this is as good as it gets. Hope it stops. Hope it changes. Or, or is there something God calls us into? And, and I believe there is. And so uh, what's been on my heart this morning has been 1 Timothy chapter 1. So let's, let's just jump in and see. Let's see what the Lord has for us. All right, um, yeah, you know what, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to read this whole little section, and then I'll, then I'll walk through it. It's kind of good to get it all in one big chunk, so you kind of understand what's going on. First Timothy 1, chapter tw- uh, verse 12 through 20, all right? I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because... He judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserves of full, is deserving of full acceptance 
that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of all ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith in a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme me. Okay. All right. Back to verse 12 here. Uh, Paul, the missionary Paul, this is the dude, right, who went and started a bunch of churches throughout kind of what's known as Asia now. And he started a, a ton of churches there. It went to places that didn't know the gospel, shared the gospel, led people to the Lord, started churches, and, and went city to city. And amazing things happened. Well, the book of 1 Timothy, he's writing to one of his, his disciples. He's writing to a guy named Timothy. He was like his boy. He, he, he called him in this, his, like his son. There was such a close bond that he poured his life into. So Paul's writing Timothy this letter of encouragement to spur him on, to remind him of particular things. And here, he is reminding him of some pretty important stuff. And he starts out by saying, I thank him, it means Christ Jesus our Lord, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Okay, stop for a minute. He was given strength by who? Christ Jesus our Lord. Why was he given strength? It says here, he was given strength by Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because he was found faithful and appointed for service. I think this is a big deal. Like, this is an incredible principle that I think Paul is laying out here, is that the reason why he was given strength was he was given strength because he was called into service. He was given a task, he was given a calling by the Lord, and then because he was given the calling, he was then given the strength, he was given the grace to accomplish the calling. I mean, what, what a principle. When God speaks something to us, when God speaks truth to us, when God calls us into something, he then doesn't just go, all right, this is what I want you to do, have at it, go wild. My temptation when the Lord says, hey, I want you to step into this, I want you to do this, is like, okay, great. Awesome, love it, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm yours, I'll do it, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, thank you very much. And then I go off in my own wisdom, my own strength, my own power, and my own way to try to accomplish the thing that he just told me to do. Anyone else? The good news is, he's both truth and grace. When he reveals truth to us, he then gives us the grace to accomplish that which he's calling us to step into. That's good news. He's saying here, listen... I've been given strength, but not just like strength for me to do it. I've been given the Lord's strength from him, a supernatural strength, an unending strength, the strength that is found in Christ Jesus. I've been given that strength to accomplish the thing that he is in fact called me to accomplish because that's what he's called me to. And he always gives me what I need to accomplish what he's called me to. Now we'll come back to that in just a minute. Hey. 
Sorry, I have like no filter. I've been gone for a couple weeks. I have like no, no filter. It's not good. Um, okay. Then he goes on to talk about who he once was prior to knowing Jesus in verse 13. Though formerly, I was a blasphemer. That just means like he actively spoke against the Lord. I was a blasphemer, a persecutor. And this dude was like a legit persecutor, not like just saying mean things to people. Paul would go house to house, and he would find Christians, and he would drag them away to be uh, imprisoned. And he wouldn't just do it in his little area. He would like hunt them down in other areas too. That's how much he hated Jesus. That's how much he hated Christians. And that's how much he persecuted people. This was a bad dude. And he was an insolent opponent. But, he said... I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Okay, stop for a second. He's saying, listen, this is who I once was. I was, I was bad. I was nasty. I did some terrible things. But God in his infinite wisdom towards me, in his kindness, in his mercy, in his patience towards me, he lavished upon me mercy. He lavished upon me grace. He lavished upon me love. He lavished upon me, what's the other one I'm missing? Love and, uh, and faith. And those things are found in Christ Jesus. And he's saying, this is, a, this is a, a saying that's trustworthy. This is a saying that's true. He says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Now this thing about what he's being saved from is he's not just saved from hell. That's true. Praise the Lord. But he's also being saved from his old self. See, I, I love a guy named, his name's Watchman Nee. He was a... Uh, Chinese church leader in like the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and he died in prison in China for the gospel. And he has a saying about the gospel isn't about a changed life. The gospel is about an exchanged life. Let that, let that sit, right? The gospel isn't just about a changed life. The gospel is about an exchanged life. I think that's huge as we're talking about like how do we deal with those times where we're just not satisfied with, with where we're at. It's an understanding that God's not interested in like just kind of changing our old life to make it a little bit better. Us being a little bit more moral, a little bit more kind. God's about getting rid of the old sinful self that's dead and replacing it with a new man and that is Jesus Christ. That's why it says here that he is... He has given faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Because when we turn from sin and we give our life to Jesus, we're exchanging our life. Now the life of Christ, he comes in us, dwells in us. And we begin to grow into maturity, into Christ's likeness. Not because he just gives us a gift here or a gift there. But because Christ himself dwells within us and is maturing and many... Uh, man, what's the word? Manifesting. Thank you. You guys are so helpful today. I mean, you're always helpful, but really helpful today. Like growing and manifesting within us. He's saying, that, that's what I'm saved from. I'm not just saved from hell. I'm saved from the old self. I'm made new. I'm, and now I have a new life in Christ that I can be in relationship with the Father. That's what it was. Like, look at this radical grace and radical salvation. Like, that's what... I, I love the testimonies that you all share around here. Like, some of you were in some really jacked up places. Am I right? And you... <laughs> Um, sorry, when you like know someone's laugh, it's hard to not point them out. Um, 
where you're just in jacked up places, and you know, like, look at how rich and merciful God was. He didn't just, like, kind of save me. He radically saved me. And I think one of those lies that you have, too, is like, those lies, like, my, my, uh, my testimony's not very radical. I just kind of walked a straight and narrow. Like, listen, it's just as much of a miracle that God changed your religious heart that thought that you could be made right with him through your actions and your works, that he radically opened your eyes to the need of a Savior, that you were depra- depraved and wretched and separated from him, that you needed his grace in, in growing up in the church. That's just as radical as someone that was out in the streets and didn't know anything of the Lord. Am I right? Okay, so... But there's this idea, right? Like when we first come to the Lord, it's like, man, this is who I once was. Like, I was this, but now I'm new. I'm made new. I've got new life in Christ. I'm free from sin. I, I mean, full life and whole life and all this stuff. But then, like, what happens on those days where you're like, yeah, but I'm kind of falling back into old sin. What happens? You're like, man, I was like so on fire for the Lord. And it's just like, mm, this is awesome. Get it, get it. And then all of a sudden, I, I'm just not really feeling it anymore. I think this is what Paul's getting at here. He says this in verse 16. But I receive mercy for this reason. Okay, he's saying this, this is why he was extended mercy. This is why he was extended grace. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, meaning as, as the worst, as the nastiest of sinners... Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. He said his life, when God displays his kindness towards us, he's like, my, my life is an example of God's, in, what's the term? Perfect patience. Not just patience, but I love that. God displays his perfect patience in Paul by saying like, Look at how far I was running away from the Lord. I was running away and away, and that God continued to be patient towards me, and extend grace towards me, and he came after me. And that is a sign to everyone else saying, like, I was so nasty. I was about as bad as it gets. If God showed mercy and patience towards me, imagine what he'll show towards you as well. But here's the thing. I don't think that Paul is saying that the only way that God shows his perfect patience is up to the point of salvation. I think that's part of it, praise the Lord. God shows all of us that kind of patience to the point of salvation. But I think he's saying that his life then continues to be a display of God's perfect patience day by day. Because when he comes to faith in Jesus Christ, when all of us come to faith in Jesus, we're given this new life, but it begins this process, this ongoing process of what the Bible calls like sanctification. It's a fancy word for us becoming more like Christ. And that's a process where Paul says there's ups and there's downs, there's challenges. But as Jesus does the work of making us more like him, he in that is showing immeasurable patience day by day by day by day. Like think about this. Over the Christmas holiday, when you screwed up pretty bad, when you maybe cussed out a family member, Hypothetically, right? Or under your breath, cussed out a family member. Or had too much to drink. Or just held bitterness. Or went towards a lot of greed and materialism. Like when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit points that out in you, it isn't to go, gotcha, bam. 
It is to display his kindness and his patience saying, you haven't arrived yet, but I haven't stopped working in you. Right? When God reveals truth, is an act of his patience and a gift for us to receive his grace. So when God points something out that's just a little bit off, when God points something out that we're walking that's a little off, or God points out a new truth to us, or God points us something for us to walk into, it's not to bring shame and condemnation. It's to go, ah, I have more for you, and we turn back for him, and it's another opportunity for us to receive the grace that he so desperately wants to pour out upon us. It's an act of him to show his mercy, to show his patience. Like, right? When we walk with one another and we stumble, we fall, we spur one another on towards holiness, we spur one another on towards what's right, we continue to see God's perfect patience in one another, that he hasn't quit forming one of, each one of us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Paul's saying here that there's this process. And I think it's tough, right? Because we live in such an age, and you've heard this a bazillion times, but like, we live in an age where we want things instantly. Where all of a sudden you're on your phone and you're like maybe out in the, in the boondocks and all of a sudden it takes three seconds to load a website page. You're like, come on, oh, this is terrible, right? I can't. We're used to things now. Give it to me now. Give it to me now. And it is true. Like we are given a new life in Christ immediately when we give our life to him. We're reborn. But this process takes time of him forming us more and more into the image of Jesus. And so many of us were like, I must be doing something totally wrong. I'm not like walking in perfection yet. I must be a total failure. I guess this Jesus thing ain't for me. I guess I'm done with it. Some of you this morning like need to receive God's perfect patience towards you and saying he's working on you. He's walking with you. Your heart is wanting to please him. It's a process of you being conformed more into the image of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. I, I think there is this temptation and, and, and Paul talks about this in a different letter he writes. He writes the, in the book to the, to the Romans. And I think it's like Romans 2 or something like that. Where he talks about like this patience God extends towards us is to lead us towards repentance. So sometimes I think we're like, well, God's patient with me. It's, like, what's the big deal? I'm just going to do what I want. I'm just going to coast along. No big deal. Kind of live this life how I want. And I'm not, I'm not really content with where things are. I, I know I should be spending more time with the Lord. I could grow in deeper intimacy with him. I could be growing in greater holiness. I could look more like Jesus, but like, eh, not a big deal. I would say if we truly understood God's patience and God's grace, we would understand that that was to lead us to repentance and not to take advantage of it, but to press in more towards him. That's why Paul says this. He understands that in verse 17. He said, to the king of the, of the ages immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Like, he, he understood, like, he had an encounter with the Lord. He had an encounter with the power, this grace. It caused him to go, oh my goodness, look at who you are. Look at your glory. Look at your splendor. You deserve all honor. You deserve all glory. You deserve all praise. That's my heart's desire. So here, here's the thing that I want to press into this morning. Some of you are here this morning and um, you just feel like you're in a state of apathy. I mean, you're kind of like, eh, don't really care. Now, I, I want to encourage some of you. Like, I felt like this a little bit over, over Christmas break. I don't know about you, but like, traveling and go, all the craziness with family, like, it's really hard to like, get to a ton of extended time with the Lord and you're like, just, whoa. And you just want to like, do nothing when you're done with all of that, Right? I just felt that creeping up in me. 
I'm like, oh man, it's apathy setting in. But then all of a sudden I felt like the Lord going, no, because my heart cares, uh, my heart's attitude is I want to honor the Lord. I, I'm just struggling with how to do it right now. Some of you this morning are like, you just feel, you feel stagnant, you're in, a, you're in a season of a desert or dryness with the Lord, and you're beating yourself up because you're like, I should be doing better, things should be different. Let me just ask you this, is your greatest heart's desire is that you would honor the Lord with your life? Because if your heart's desire is honor, I know I want to honor the Lord, I do, I do, I do, I want to honor Him, I just don't know how, I'm just too tired, I'm just too beat up, I'm just too weary, I'm just too sad, I'm just grieving too much, I'm just, oh, whatever it may be. See, that's a different place, because if your heart's desire is like, God, I want to honor you with everything, that is not a heart of apathy, I don't think. I mean, you may be stuck, you may be dry, but you're not apathetic. Now, if you're walking around in life going like, oh, is this okay to do? It's not a big deal for me to do this. Is this sin? Not a big... That's the wrong question. The question that we should continue to ask is, God, is this honoring to you? So what do you do if you're like, okay, my heart's desire is I want to honor the Lord. But man, it's just tough. Like, I, 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 I get Some of you, I assume, like this happens every new year, and I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm, just, I'm pumped you're here. I love that you're here. But sometimes at the beginning of the year, it's like, ah, I haven't done the Jesus thing in a while. Maybe I'll just pop back into church and kind of like give it one more shot for a while. Because I think there's something in us that's like, ah, I just, I'm, not, I'm not satisfied with where things are at. I want more, but what, what do I do? There's just a dryness and a weariness and a heartache and a brokenness. And, and, and here's what I think the Lord would have us do. Well, before I get to that, Drop down to verse 18. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Holding on, hold, hold on for a second. Paul's saying, like, listen, th- this is a battle. You're going to have to wage a warfare because there's all these things that, that fight against us. The schemes of the enemy, the schemes of the world, our own sinful nature. Like They, they war against us to, to prevent us from trying to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. And he's, he's encouraging me. He's like, no, no, no. Timothy, brother, my son, do not forget the prophecies that have been made about you, right? You're new to Moran Park. You're not sure what prophecies are. Prophecy is just like when the Lord speaks a, a word or a message to someone to, to give to somebody else. So like one, even hey, today's a good example. Today, right after church, once a month, we have opportunities, prophetic ministry, where you can receive prayer. You have two people that pray over you. It just gives space to the Lord to speak and encourage you with things that he might want to say. But what he's calling you to, we, maybe specifically for this season or just generically about who God's called you to be. Uh, Paul's saying, like, listen, you've been prophesied over. There have been promises that have been made to you that you hold on to them. Hold on to the things I've called you into. But here's the other thing, right? When he says, this is what I've called you to, he doesn't say, so just go out there and just fake it till you make it. He doesn't go out there and say, remember what you've been called to, suck it up, buttercup. Right? He doesn't go out there and say, listen, you've been called to this, now it's time, you've got to be disciplined and focused, get after it. And No, he says, listen, yes, it's a war, and yes, you must fight the good fight, but how do we fight the good fight? He says this, holding faith and a good conscience. There is this temptation to let unbelief grow 
in those seasons where you're not satisfied with where you're at with the Lord. It's really easy to let the lies of the enemy creep in and be like, to, to not believe God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do. Some of you are not, not satisfied and so you just try to solve the problem on your own. Or some of you just go, ah, God's not going to fulfill his promise, so forget that. I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't really care. And I would warn you against that option because that's what happened to Alexander and Hymenaeus. And all of a sudden, they just were like, I'm going to do whatever I want. Paul says, fine, do whatever you want. He handed them over to Satan, which just meant he handed them over to do whatever they wanted to do, to experience the consequences of their sin. So hopefully they would reach rock bottom and go, ooh, this ain't no good, and turn and repent back towards the Lord. Some of you are, in fact, in a season of dryness and not satisfied with where you're at because you're choosing to walk in blatant disobedience and blatant sin, and you're experiencing the consequences of it. But God, in his mercy... Is saying, I got more for you. Come back to me. We fight this good fight by holding on to faith and saying, no, God, you are who you say you are. You're going to do what you say that you're going to do. And by holding on to a good conscience, which says, like, God, I I want to do only what honors you. And I'm going to hold on to that. Whatever honors the Lord, that's what I want to do. We, like, I, I love West Michigan, right? I love it. My wife and I have lived here for, like, 13 years now. But there is this prevailing culture, and I, I, just, I hate to blame it on the culture, but there, there is this, this attitude sometimes that is prevalent in our area that just says you're not allowed to admit when you're not doing okay. That you have to have this persona of like, no, nah, I'm walking great with the Lord. You're me and Jesus, man, we're doing, oh yeah. And inside you're dying. You're like, I haven't spent any time with the Lord. I don't even want to spend time with the Lord. I pray and my mind goes, whoop, over here. I can't, I can't uh, defeat lust, it just keeps creeping up. I'm like, oh, I'm done with this, so forget, I'll just give it, give in. Or those days when you have enough willpower, you're like, no, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna fight, let's go, let's get going, let's get going, let's get going. And you try harder and try harder, that maybe works for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, and then you just, it just burns out again. You're like, oh, forget it, I'm exhausted. But I believe what, what Paul is inviting us into this morning isn't to try to fake it till you make it is to admit like things I'm struggling here and to admit our weakness because it's in our weakness that's when Christ is strong. It is in our weakness when we go, I cannot manufacture hunger. All right, this is a good one, right? Some of you this morning have no hunger to walk, to read the word. There's a temptation that goes, I'm just going to try to make myself do it. No, here's the good news, is the promise that we get to hold on to, the faith that we're called to hold on to is that the work that Christ began in you, he will see it to completion. The things that he's called you to, which is intimacy with him, he's promised you that. Part of being his child is intimacy with him. That doesn't mean you try harder now to walk in intimacy. It's yours already in Christ Jesus. So those days you aren't feeling it isn't try hard, try hard, try hard. But to come to him and say, I don't want to spend time with you. I have no hunger. I have no thirst for you. I don't want to spend time in your word. I'm actually kind of ticked off at you if I'm honest right now. 
I, I, I cannot do this. But God, I am not going to try to do it on my own because there is no power in my own. God, I come to you because in you there is all I need. Jesus, will you give me your hunger? Jesus, will you give me a desire to be in the word? God, will you give me a desire to walk in holiness? God, will you give me a desire to spend time with you in prayer? God, will you do the work of leading me into deeper intimacy? Some of you this morning need to quit trying so hard and come to you and simply say, come to the Lord and simply say, I can't do it, but you promise that you will, so Lord, do that work in me. That's what I think it means. We hold on. We hold on to the faith. We hold on to the things that he's promised. That we don't, I mean, some of you are so exhausted. Some of you are like freaking out because old sin is creeping up. And I'm not saying there's not wisdom and having high walls. And all that. Yeah, totally. But maybe it's first coming to the Lord and going, oh, Lord, I cannot, I am not, I cannot stand against this temptation on my own. I cannot, I cannot do it. I cannot stand against this temptation to look at porn. I cannot stand against this temptation to drink. I cannot do it on my own. Oh, but I thank you, God, that you give me new life in Jesus, and Jesus perfectly stands against temptation. Oh, God, would you give me that kind of ability? Would you give me Jesus' ability to stand against temptation today? Oh, thank you, Lord. I think the thing for us, the Lord simply wants to remind us of this morning is, Listen, when you're in a season where you're not satisfied, come to the Lord and tell him and ask for help. Come to the Lord and say, God, I can't do it, but you can do it. Some of you are totally satisfied. Oh, praise the Lord. That's awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. Some of you this morning, things are just rocking and rolling like God's giving you new insight and wisdom. You're seeing dead people raised up. You're just seeing lo- sin being just like, crushed. I mean, praise the Lord. And I think part of that is to not get caught up in like, I must be doing the right stuff. I must be like, got the formula down. I'm awesome. That's why all these things are happening. But instead, to continue to cultivate a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving and say, oh, God, you're so gracious to me. Look what you're doing. God, look what you're doing. Look, at you're giving victory here. It's your victory here. God, look at, you're, you're giving me what I need here. God, look at all these things that you're doing to continue to walk in humility before him. And, and some of you, yeah, no, 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 okay, no, no. Um, For some of us, there's this temptation when things are going well that we go, it's good enough. My encouragement to you is that you continue to press into the Lord. That you wouldn't just go, okay, this is good enough, that there's always more. Because this God that we worship, let me remind you what Paul says, this God that we worship is the king of the ages. He's immortal, he's invisible, he's the only God. To him be honor and glory forever and ever. Some of you this morning, I encourage you this, this new year, is, yeah, things are going well. Continue to press into the Lord. Continue to ask him for, for greater hunger. Continue to ask him for greater strength to withstand. Continue to have the greater endurance to walk in holiness. Um, some of you young people, I think one of the things that's in my heart is that we, we teach you better what it means to be long-suffering and continue to, to teach you what it means to be enduring. I think there's a temptation. I see this in myself as a dad. Is There's a temptation to shield my kids from pain. 
to step in and like fix the problem for them. And some of you young people are just learning now, especially like you go to college and you're on your own, you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? I'm, I'm learning how to struggle. I'm learning like things were great when I was in high school. I was like doing all these things for the Lord and all of a sudden I'm experiencing this, oh, this heartache, this brokenness. And it could be that the Lord is bringing you to a point of your weakness so you'll stop depending on your own gifts, your own skills, your own ability, your own wisdom, and instead turn to him and say, God, I can't do this, but I need you to do this in me. Because if you're relying on your own strength and your own gifts and your relationship with the Lord, that will not last, that is not enduring, that will eventually fade. But when our foundation of our relationship is built on Him and understanding all things that we need are found in Christ, that will withstand the hardest of trials and the worst of times. That's what's going to grow us up into maturity. And my prayer, Moran Park, for this, for this year, 2019, that we would grow in maturity, that we would grow in Christ's likeness, that we'd be raised up in Him. But that means coming to an understanding that He is the one that is going to do the work in us. He has called us higher. He's called us into Christ's likeness. He's called us into radical obedience. But He is the one that will give us the grace and what we need and the strength to do what He's called us to do. And honestly, that is good news. So let's celebrate our weaknesses with one another because when we celebrate our weakness, then we can in turn point to the strength and the sufficiency of Christ in our weakness. Let's pray. God, I, I just know a lot of us, we just need grace. It's over, it's, sometimes it's just overwhelming to think about what you've called us into, what you've saved us out of, and what you've called us into, and what you're forming us into, God, to, to maturity, to godly husbands and, and, and fathers and godly mothers and, and wives and people walking in, in sobriety and people walking in deeper intimacy and maturity, people walking in holiness as people who grow in the fruit of the Spirit. God, like... Right, that that's what you have for us. But God, in the midst of this, this struggle, in the midst of this walk with you, God, we thank you that these are opportunities for you to shower us with, with, your, with your kindness and shower us with your patience. But for those, God, that have a hard time receiving from you, from those that have a hard time right now receiving uh, from you, have a hard time believing that you are good and that you are kind, God, I pray that you remove the, those lies and that they be filled with the truth that, God, you are good and you are kind, and you want to lavish them with your kindness and lavish them with your grace. For those that are dry in this place this morning, for those that just uh, know they should spend time with you and they just, ah, I don't, I don't. I don't really want to. Like, I have the best intentions, but ah, I don't want to. God, I pray for a radical, supernatural hunger that comes from above. I pray against performance and trying to make things happen and try to fight our way out of these places that we're just not satisfied in our relationship with you. I pray for radical grace from heaven to pour out upon us in Jesus' name. God, for those that need grace to withstand temptation, I pray, God, that you would give them radical heavenly strength that comes from you not just worldly strength not just self-will strength but strength that is found in you jesus perfect and complete strength god i pray that that strength would be found in us and grow and manifest in us to stand against sin and temptation
God, as your word says in 1 John, that this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. God, we know it is your will to make us more like Jesus. We know it is your will to free us from sin. We know it is your will, God, to grow us in holiness. We know it is your will, God, to, to be a witness. We know it is your, your will, God, to love the lost. We know it is your will, God, to walk and, as, as you walked. And so, God, we come confidently before you, knowing that you're not going to turn us away because we're praying in accordance with your will to become more like Jesus. So, God, we come before you trusting that you hear our cries. God, we're trusting that you'll answer us, God, and that you will give us what we need in this season, Lord to draw us into deeper intimacy and deeper relationship with you. Our hearts cry above all else, God, that you do what you need to do, that you receive the glory and you receive the honor in us and through, the, through us. And we pray this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen.